Nonsense, and I'm here with... Dan, the ambassador of nonsense. Welcome, everyone. Everybody's talking about the interview with Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> who I had to practice saying his name before we started recording. Uh, Shia LaBeouf and Bishop Barron. And I guess, I guess it is, it's something to talk about. But I, I didn't, it surprised me that it got this much attention. I wonder how yeah, many yeah. novies saw the interview, even. I guess a lot you know, did. Because, good... I mean, is he that popular? Well, he's he is a well-known actor, and he's a good actor. I didn't know who he was. But he, he also, he also I, you know... I don't know whether it's just accusations that aren't true or whether he really got into some bad stuff or what, but he did get into a funk in his life where, you know, yeah. he was depressed, never felt like going. I mean, he, you know, was, was on the verge, I guess, of, of suicide a couple times or whatever. I, I don't know a whole lot about that. I do not, um, I do not keep up with news, yeah, especially news about celebrities. So right. all of the stuff that he's kind of referencing in his recent past. I had no idea about any of that stuff. That well, recent past, I mean, before he started taking, you know, looking into the role as, as Padre Pio that he's well, the, taking on. Well, that's the thing. Let's say, um, let, let's say this interview with Bishop Barron didn't happen. We would both probably know who he is in a year when they released the movie oh. of Padre Pio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. But only because he played but, Padre Pio. Right. Right, but, but well, I mean, I know some things. he was in Transformers. That that's really the only movie I've seen with him in it. Oh, okay. See, I never even got into that. I mean, I, I guess I saw one of the Transformers movies, but I never really got into that. I, I didn't like it very much. The first um, one, he was, was pretty good. The very first one. He was in a movie one. called Eagle Eye. That, I didn't see that. Um, it, it, it was. I mean, being a a um, an engineer, a, mm-hmm. a software engineer, it was hard for me. To uh, accept the premise at face value, um, but you know, it, it, if you if you could kind of just not think about that, it was a, yeah. an okay movie. Uh, he was in Disturbia, which um, is, in my opinion, a pretty good movie. There maybe you, you know, know what I did. I think I saw that. It was almost, if I remember right, it, it was almost like a Rear Window type of movie. Yes. It was it was okay. a but it wasn't just a uh, a ripoff of Rear Window. It was a a, a sort of reimagining of the, Redoing the whole story. Of the okay, and I, I mean I mean I remember it being okay, good, mm-hmm. I, but it was a long time ago when I saw it, and I don't know. He may be one one of the greatest actors ever. I just don't know it because I yeah I I, I, I don't I know enough about pop that, things. Anymore. But he's a good actor, but, you know. Yeah. He's, He's he, you know he plays believably and mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's enjoyable to watch. You're not cringing when he recites his lines and stuff right. like that. But aside from that, now now I definitely know who he is, and uh, <laughs> yeah. with a huge amount of admiration, um, the way he 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 comes in as an outsider who's not been Catholic and. I, I, you know, I, I guess it's it's almost like he faces off with Bishop Barron about a subject <laughs> that a lot of, not us as if we're part of the crowd, but people like Timothy Gordon and 
Taylor Marshall have wanted to talk to Bishop Abaron about, you know? Right, right. They've wanted to make this case for the TLM, and yeah. Bishop Barron wouldn't let them. And here, this guy, this outsider, not only comes and does it, but does a really good job of it. Well, and, is, and though, talks he, about things he that... He sneaks it in. Yeah. Because he's not, he's like way, he's way more diplomatic and, and uh, I don't know if, if he's being purposely sly, but. I don't know um, if he was or not, but he's like, oh, I don't want to get into the controversy, but. And then he hits he it. Kinda, and he's, he, he says like, that after his own. it out of the park. The controversial yeah. thing. <laughs> it was great. And he, he said some things that I, uh, that I don't really connect to, but. Mm-hmm. Some things that I, I haven't thought of before. Some things that I've never heard another trad say. Yeah, yeah. And then some well, things that I definitely connect with. Just I think the, it's interesting to hear him because, you know, we've, we've... Well, I don't know if you have. I've seen, for example, the interviews, say, on EWTN with... Um, they did one with... Um, uh, Raymond Arroyo did one with, with Mel Gibson... And yeah. I think separately one with uh, Jim Caviezel after the Pastor of the Christ came right. out. And, I mean, these guys are, are longstanding Catholics. You know they're going to have their, you know, they've got their Catholic moment here in film. They got together, did that film. They're going to go back to their lives. But you know they're going to keep being Catholic. That's that's yeah. what they are. And so when they talk about Catholic things, it kind of rolls off naturally. What I found really interesting about Shia LaBeouf is that he discusses Catholic things with that same kind of familiarity yeah. that it feels natural. and But he also says stuff that I've never heard anyone else point out. Like, like for example, when he, he refers to saints' relics as, as talismans, which he doesn't mean it in a bad way. Right. But, but what he was saying about it is, you know, we have all these, these physical things sitting around. I don't have to wonder if this particular saint lived because they've got his heart right there in a box for me to look at. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's just an aspect of it that I've never even thought of before. Right. Yeah, it was was impressive. But he talks about saints' relics as though it's the most natural thing in the world, which every Catholic grows up thinking of it that way. And and him being so new to the faith Mm -hmm. was what was so bizarre about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he he said some, okay, he's, what got, what, the, the main punch, the one, two was, Mm -hmm. I, I don't like being sold something. I don't, I don't like being, feel like I'm being sold a car when I go to mass. And you go to the new mass and you feel like you're being sold a car. And he's exactly right. This, this bureaucratic effort to, to activate people. That he compared it to. Right. I've never heard it put that way, but yeah, he's exactly right. Um, but he also said something. He said I. He said he's a feeler, and mm-hmm. he feels more at the TLM. That's the one where I, I'm not... It's no disrespect to what he's saying. It's just that I've never felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but... And, I just wonder, is it is that just because of me and the TLM is a place to feel for the kind of person who needs a place to feel, you know? Well, I mean, the, the 
Yeah, I mean that that's one of the um I, I, I if if he's saying that feeler in the same way feeler versus thinker, you know, that's one of the four axes of the the was it Myers Briggs yeah, you know, personality which I don't thing go and, for a hundred percent. Right, right, but but if you um, think about that, you know, a feeler um, is someone who's going to respond to the um, kind of the emotional layout of something. And so, when you if you think about the two different ways of doing mass, the TLM versus Novus Ordo, and you you kind of try to cast yourself as a feeler. Okay, what's going to make you feel the um, the heightened sacredness of what's going yeah, on? Yeah, the the magnitude. Yeah, um, yeah. What what's going to to make you feel that this is something otherworldly? Certainly, the right. DLM. I mean, as an yeah. emotional response, it's obvious. In fact, now that he's brought that out, and I start thinking about it, it's like, wow, it's it's obvious that the TLM does that better than the Novus Ordo, um, probably for for feelers even more than for thinkers like us. Right. And, that, well, see, that's the thing. Because I, I, ever since he said that, I've been thinking about this, and um, I don't think of myself as a thinker either. I just... Oh, mm-hmm. I, or at least not in... I think I am a feeler. I mean, like... I watch well. I used to. I guess there's a there's a bit of a, a, a history here and a change that had to take place for a reason. But I used to watch the most sad and emotional movies that I could find, and I would watch them over and over again to kind of immerse myself in emotion. So I think of myself as a feeler, but I just. Mm. I never did that at the TLM. Oh, right. But right. Um, yeah, I've kind of got a theory about this because I I used to do that and I would I would watch sad movies and I would not like girl sad movies, more like Oh, right. Uh, no, no. Yeah. Like uh Gone Baby Gone and uh mm-hmm. No Country for Old Men, no Blade Country Runner, for Old Men and stuff like that, right? Uh, right. Scanner Darkly. Um I'd read the books too, um, mm-hmm. but I—I I don't know. I, there was a point in my life, like seven or eight years ago, maybe ten even, where I discovered I had a serious anger problem that had to be dealt with um, in a life-changing way. And one of those ways is that uh, through things like sessions with a counselor and stuff like that, I thought. I discovered that I kind of put myself on an emotional roller coaster almost on purpose mm-hmm. um, to try, you know, I turn on a movie to try to activate some kind of heavy emotion. And part of turning that anger problem off was not going on those roller coaster rides, just stepping off them, refusing to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started doing that actively and I don't watch sad movies. I still read sad books, but for different <laughs> reasons. Um, but I don't sit around and watch sad things anymore. Mm-hmm. And, depressing things. Or or depressing or frightening or 
Anything mm-hmm. that's really going to get me going. I just like emotionally intense. Yeah. And right. Okay. Um, I just don't do it now. Unconnected to that. Somebody told me that scientists think that maybe the purpose of dreams are to train your mind to deal with, uh, emotionally charged events. And ever since I stopped watching emotional movies, I have a lot more emotional dreams. Whether it's anger or fear or sadness, I, I, almost every other night, I wake up either angry or sad about something. Something that doesn't even exist. But, you know. That's interesting. Yeah. And I remember most of my dreams. Well, I remember a dream almost every night. Right. Yeah, Might just be because I have to, yeah. Tonight, but, yeah. But I have to go up, get up and go to the bathroom so often that I happen to remember a lot of my dreams. Um, and I write a lot of them down, but it just occurred to me as I was thinking about this whole interview and the fact that I never got any kind of emotional charge out of the mass, um, that, uh, that whole thing just kind of occurred to me. Cause I, I do think oh. I am a feeler, but I don't know why I don't get that out of the TLM. I don't get it out of the Novus Order either. Certainly not, but (laughs) but I don't get any kind of intellectual dose of anything either. It's 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 more of like uh, okay, I'm going to say some adult things. Um, To me, this is this is how I've always I've thought of it for the past since I started going again two years ago, three. I can't remember how many years ago. Um, You know when. when you are with your wife getting excited, there's a yearning for uh, sexual pleasure. Um, but when it's done, it's not like you feel sexually satisfied. There's no real, I mean, other than the moment of climax, there's no real mm-hmm. feeling of sexual contentment for men. Oh, What right. we it's feel like- is just... The desire is gone. It's not like at, at the end of a good meal where you, you yeah feel, you sit back you know, and mm, that was you, good. You're kind of you're 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 full but not overstuffed. It's, you know, just yeah that that kind of thing isn't uh, isn't part of it. Yeah, it's just not. That's not what men go through, as far as I know. Uh, it's more the fact yeah, that no, it's just that the desire is now no longer there. Right for that, the that's, maybe that's about the extent of the so-called satisfaction. Maybe for the only half hour of your entire life, it's that half hour <laughs> <Yeah>. afterwards, <laughs> I no longer feel the desire. So that's what that's kind of how I think of the TLM, because throughout the day, throughout the week, I feel kind of a, a yearning for God for some kind of connection. But when I'm there at Mass, I don't really feel any connection. Mm-hmm. I don't feel... Like I'm tapped into God, but as I'm walking away, I no longer have the desire, or I, I no longer oh, have a yearning. Right. Put it that way. Right, right. That's like it's, it's. I don't know how many other guys get that out of the TLM. But you know that that I mean it, it's I, I don't know that that necessarily uh, makes you a thinker, but that's um. I mean, being a thinker and and approaching the TLM as a thinker, I, I 
to me, the the whole idea of being a thinker is that there isn't a so-called charge that, you know, like, like a feeler might get yeah. an emotional charge. Well, yeah. a thinker, um, there, there's not a corresponding experience for a thinker. A thinker merely dwells on things, you know, through thought and reason and abstraction mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. That's that's how a thinker takes things in, whereas a feeler uh, has a more emotional response to whatever kind of situation. Um, and I have a feeling if so, I were, I mean, actually, I did go to the TLM a long time ago, and I think I do kind of, re- it was it was a long time ago, and I left so angry. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I think I probably was, I probably, it probably was more of an emotional experience for me. I just, mm-hmm. I was so angry when I left the TLM um, that I just don't remember it because I had little kids and, you know. Yeah. A lot of the TLM was me trying to keep my kids quiet <laughs> so as not to get thrown out, which ended up happening anyway. So that's, you know. <laughs> You know that that's that's one of the things though um, about mass itself, and I think I think because I I know that for people like you know you've been to concerts before to yeah. you know bands that you like I've been to concerts I've been like you know two or the three. bands the bands we go to probably different ones but when you're at that concert there's you you get drawn into things to the music and you know and there is a um, it might be visceral, but some kind of a, a thing going on inside. Uh-huh. You call it a feeling or whatever. Um, and I think that the Novus Ordo is an attempt to try to create that experience every Sunday. And yeah. the, probably the closest that anybody comes to it is by having music there that's completely inappropriate for Mass anyway. And yeah. then what people aren't drawn into the Mass, they're drawn in, into the music. And in the way that you might get drawn into, you know, a, a good band at a concert or something like that. Well, I think, but, I think that's what mm-hmm. happens at these like mega churches. Oh yeah, that's why they're I mean, popular. They, they have a rock band come out and they get people charged up about some. To be honest, they, I mean, if you sit and listen to the music, it's more Catholic than anything you'll hear in a Catholic church. Oh, like, like in a Christian rock band, you mean? Yeah. The the stuff that they play at these mega churches, just read mm-hmm. the words. It's a prayer. It's an actual prayer. Whereas Glory and Praise songbooks, I don't know what the hell they are. They're just dumb. They're, a lot it, of them are, are kind of loose loose translations of, of like say Psalms or yeah. quotes from Isaiah or whatever. But the thing is they don't even they take miss like the mark. a psalm and set it to music. They pick a line from this psalm that sounds, you know, godly and, you know, gooey and whatever. And then a different line from this other psalm and maybe another line from this other psalm. You know, yeah. I, I've noticed that there, it's not really, it doesn't flow like anything else that, that we have as Catholics. Yeah. But, but, you know, where I was going with this thing, that the TLM does not have that, that, uh, rock concert heady kind of visceral uh, invitation to it to, to draw you in and you might love it and you might go because you love it and you, I mean maybe you're you're drawn to I don't know the incense maybe you're drawn to just the idea of the Eucharist maybe like Shia Shia LaBeouf you're you know there's a a 
sort of emotional response to it or whatever. But the the thing is, you have to go. And I, you know, this is where God He wants us at some point in our lives to begin doing things just because we love Him, even though it feels choresome. He He doesn't necessarily want us to be in a state where we have this constant uh, desire to be doing exactly what we should be doing for him. He wants us right. to go through. That's that's why these, these great saints and mystics go through this experience of the dark night of the soul. It's like what Mother Angelica described. She said, that's your chance to love Jesus because he's Jesus, not, not because you're getting good feelings back out of the uh, the prayer experience or whatever it is. And it's, I like to sort of, be, you know, since you've brought marital relations into it, and this isn't going to go there, but if you think of, of your, you know, your relationship with your um, spouse, um, there's the, the stuff that it's is part of yeah. loving your spouse, which is all the stuff that you do, even though it is choresome and tedious and you don't necessarily want to do it and you you do it joyfully even when you're grumbling you're still doing it joyfully but you're doing it because you love your spouse well that's that's what you know that's the the i love you part of it and then there's those things that that aren't ever tedious or choresome like like what you were referring to earlier there's, yeah. there's not a point at which the, like it's a chore to oh, do no. that you know i gotta have sex well but but also <laughs> things you know little things like like um you know making your spouse spontaneously laugh at something if if, yeah. if you know there's a way to do that at some point you do it without thinking and you don't feel like you're drudging up some kind of tedium like flirting to, to, yeah okay, oh, you know or anything like that there, that is the being in love which is different than loving. Right. And I think that the Novus Ordo Mass is, and of course being in love is not nearly as important for a marriage, a relationship, and so forth as loving is. I think the Novus Ordo Mass is an attempt to get Catholics to be in this sustained state of being in love. And and I think by doing that, they distract us from the loving yeah, and I think uh, he one of his best points was the fact that a bunch of guys, it felt like a bunch of guys in the office were trying to do that by remote control. You know, <laughs> it's not yeah. even the priests trying to get people involved. It's it's a bunch of bishops saying, "Well, how can we make everyone be in love with us and or yeah. with the mass or whatever?" But it whatever. was like yeah, it's exactly. fake and it just doesn't work. It doesn't even work in what it's trying to accomplish. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly not in accomplishing anything. Uh, and we see that um, as the numbers go down and down and down, and the numbers in the TLM go up and up and up. Yeah. And even ignoring the, the numbers going down or up, um, to even to the extent that, that the numbers maybe uh, hold, if, 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 you know, dioceses mm-hmm. and parishes can get those numbers to hold for the Novus Ordo. Um, the numbers, the the demographic of faith, if, if you want to think of it that way, the number of people who yeah. actually understand what's going on, who actually believe what's going on, that is shifting. Yeah, it's... 
So it's, it's like so you go to a Nova Sordo Mass and and at a typical Nova Sordo parish, you you look at a, look around and of the hundred people that that you can see from your pew, um, maybe half of them believe in the real presence, maybe less. Yeah, you'll see little things like like whether or not they even bow when they go to take communion mm-hmm. versus the guys who genuflect or uh, the people who bow their heads during the uh, confession of faith. Um, oh, at the, uh, the incarnate, the mention of the incarnation. Yeah. Uh, you'll right. see some people actually bow and you'll see some people yeah. kind of Just put kind their of head their down head a little bit. bit. And it seems like the vast majority, unless, unless the priest is really good at leading them in this, uh, the vast oh, yeah. majority don't if, do if, anything. If, if, they if don't he bows deeply, down. then the people tend to do that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've started genuflecting at that time because that's what you do at the TLM. You know, I used to, I know, I used to, uh, I used to do that with, with my family when, you know, you just going to mass, but at that part we would genuflect. And, um, I, maybe I should take that back up. I mean, I bow deeply, mm-hmm. uh, but of course I'm, I'm reading, you know, cause I like to just open my missile, my TLM missile when I'm at a Novus Ordo Mass, and just read that while the Mass is happening. That's what I've started doing. I think I you take your. Uh, I'd like you to take see a lot books so everybody can tell. Yeah, I take the red book and I open it, and I I get some funny stares. Like, what is he doing? What's he reading? What are you doing. Um, <laughs> and I'm waiting I, for someone to ask me about it. I right. don't take the red book because the missile I have has the readings for the day and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, and the 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 propers, and I want to um, read those too. But, um, of course, you could print those out each week and take it along with the Red Book. That's what I used to do. for someone to say, what are you doing during Mass? You don't seem to be participating. And, and you know, my answer won't be, I, I, won't, I wouldn't even give an answer. If somebody asked me that at church, I would say, well, I'll tell you what, let me use your question as a excuse to invite you over. You, you can come over, I'll supply the cigars, you bring whatever poison you like, beer, um, whiskey, whatever, and we'll sit out on my front porch and we'll have the conversation that that question deserves. Yeah, because there's not a quick answer for it. Yeah, and and any quick answer I could give, I feel like it would it would sell short what I'm doing. Right, but I think that if a person were actually interested, who started to dig into what I saw this guy with a red book and somebody knew what it was. <laughs> what yeah, and. He start well. Why is he doing that? And then, eventually, lead to say watching the TLM on uh, YouTube or something like mm-hmm. that. And oh, right. okay, I see why he's doing this. Or maybe I don't see why he's doing it, and it's bugging me. And I'm going to keep digging into it. Kind of understand. Like maybe maybe they end up finding, uh, you know, the Mass of the Ages or something like that, and watch it. Right. But I do think that. If if you are a feeler, then yeah, the TLM is is going to engage you a lot more than any Novus Ordo. Well, even even a well done Novus Ordo, yeah, is not going to offer the kind of the kind of engagement that uh, I mean, the it's, kind it's that possible. Would... It's possible that a Novus Ordo will engage you, but it's going to engage you in a direction that distracts you from. From where you should yeah. be going at that time, 
Yeah, it's going to be shallow, and it's not going to be. It's it's going to be like a selfish, uh, kind of like Amazing Grace type of feeling, like oh <laughs> yeah. I. I'm so lucky because God forgave me and I was such a sinner and now I'm not such a sinner. Now I'm saved. And instead of the, uh, instead of what the TLM offers, where it's not necessarily that you're saved, but that you can be forgiven and that you can continue to gain merit and grace. And I don't know, it's well, a different and, kind and of thing. This sense that that you you have this opportunity to become one with Christ as he goes to the cross yeah. that you're you're you know you're, it's like uh it's like Shia said Shia LaBeouf said during the interview this um idea that this sense that he's being let in on this this enormous secret yeah like like finding a band and I knew exactly what he meant because <laughs> yeah. um I I go through a lot of indie stuff, and I mm -hmm. I often find bands before everyone else does, and you know, um, like I'll find one, people like Radical Face. You know, I've introduced a lot of people to Radical Face. It's mm -hmm. a it, it's this guy who uh, I don't know, whatever. He's a musician. He's really good, but a lot of people have never heard of him, and when you find someone like that and then you introduce it and other people, and then you come back a, a month later and the person you introduced it to now has all their albums. Uh, <laughs> there's just a certain joy in that. And yeah, yeah. so um, I do that a lot because I look through, uh, I look through recommendations for like music on places mm -hmm. like Amazon or YouTube or whatever. And I end up finding a lot of obscure stuff. Um, and, and there's, I don't know what it is about that, but there's, there's, there's a certain sense of satisfaction there. Like, look what I found. Nobody knew about this. Um, and yeah, that does exist for the TLM less and less because it's getting more and more popular. Oh, right, right, right. But, but the thing is, but he that, was I mean, talking about from that being let in yeah, on the, the, on the, the it's like crucifixion. Right. It's like God's letting you like into this deep mystery that, you know, and, yeah. and the only path there is through the mass. Yeah. Yeah. It was Whereas a heck of a the Novus Ordo, the Novus Ordo doesn't have any, uh, any trappings that, that might cause you to think that there's something extremely otherworldly and, and special and, uh, I don't, I don't know the words kind of fail me, but but it doesn't convey that that sense of being you know something wholly set <laughs> apart. Yeah, transcendent, the, um, but right there for you throughout the letter of Pope Francis that we uh, dove into and are soon to be putting a book together. I mean, it, it's coming Hopefully. together. I just. <laughs> I got a lot busier this week than I ever was, so I had to kind of stop. But um, one of the main things is that Pope Francis kept talking about how wonderful the Mass is. And one of the points we came up with over and over again is that, okay, you're saying it's wonderful, and that's really the only way we know that it's wonderful is because people are saying it's wonderful. 
but you don't show yeah. it to us. We can't look at the mass and the Novus Ordo and think, Doesn't wow, this must wonderful. be wonderful. This looks yeah. boring and stupid. It looks mm-hmm. like an old lady thing or a kindergartner thing. And no man would would want to be a part of it. Whereas the TLM, uh, any man who who's serious about life would see this and say, wow, there's something... There's something really special here. What is that? I'm I'm curious. I want to be a part of this. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he hit it dead on when he said that, and um, it was great seeing someone like Bishop Barron being told this in a in a situation where he couldn't just turn it off, you know. (laughs) And he ended up having to agree with him, and it was uh, I I was again I kept hearing about it, you know, I think Taylor Marshall had said something about it on one of his podcasts. I didn't even listen to that podcast because I didn't know who Shia LaBeouf is. Oh, right, right. And then Timothy Gordon did. Then finally he said, all right, I'm going to have to listen to this interview, I guess. (laughs) And I was glad I I did. I listened to it this morning just so that I would be able to talk about it on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, but it it was worth listening to, especially Mm -hmm. because it was Bishop LeBaron. Now, Bishop Barron, Bishop Barron, LeBaron, Shale LeBaron. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. <laughs> Who's the yeah. bishop? Who's the, yeah, right. <laughs> the thing about Bishop Barron is this, though, and this is what we talked about last week. He's not really a bishop. He's a he's a producer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the way his his his. Uh... His, I mean, he's he's or, he's consecrated a bishop. He's ordained. Okay, but, but. He, his uh, actions. I, I, I'm just clarifying what we mean by not really a bishop. What he's doing is not bishopy stuff. It's producey stuff. It's it, it's yeah. commercial stuff. It's um, he has a he may product. Be doing it for good reasons, and he may be doing it for a good cause. But he's um, doing it for money. But he's he's not he's not. Uh, Doing it in a way that you would expect a bishop to do it, which is that, you know, that, like I said, you know, St. Paul never charged anyone for uh, listening to one of his sermons or for getting to read one of his letters. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen ever charged for his videos or talks i guess maybe you could pay him to come out and talk to your church but he never sold a product mm-hmm. yeah i mean he if, he had his tv show but that was like the broadcast tv system that was, was network was yeah new it, maybe I mean, you could say that was in the product. world of today where he he could have just put them all up on youtube and said okay there it is everybody watch it because this is you know this is what people need to hear yeah, um, I don't. Maybe he wouldn't have done that, but I, I just what Bishop Barron offers us is not what Bishop Sheen offered us. Bishop right, Barron right. is selling something, and that's yeah. all he's doing. And maybe that's popular, and maybe good comes out of it. I don't know. Yeah, but if he I mean, was I'm interested sure in the goods, then he wouldn't charge I, for it. Right. I, I'm sure that a lot of the stuff that Bishop Barron produces goes out. You know. Without being sold, I you know I don't want to say that everything he does is is for I don't sale. Know. I don't even know. But, I, I didn't even know he had. Well, like a for example, this interview, I, I was able to just go watch the interview. I didn't have to. That was, yeah on lo- YouTube. log in anywhere. 
for example. I, so I think there's stuff that he does that, that goes out there. But, um, you know, he, he makes products that he sells. And even the stuff that is just out there, I'm pretty sure that he, you know, the, the, it's, the, the thing that bothers me about the modern church is how much everything the church does is, is embroiled in this, this copyright um, entanglement, this the copyright yeah. regime of the world that we, and we've talked about, I don't want to make this show about that, but, but, but we, we've already done shows about this stuff and, mm-hmm. uh, we actually did a whole show about copyrights. Yeah. We kind um, of did, didn't we? Yeah. And about whether or not it's wrong to violate copyrights. Um, yeah, but there, did, to what degree is copyright a moral thing versus just a... You know, what's, what's interesting, um, and I was thinking about this, this is a complete sideline, but American law... Um, so, in America, the, the American federal system, everything that has to do with morality is relegated to the states. The You know, that's referred to as the police powers of the states. The states have laws against murder. It's always the state prosecuting somebody for... You know, whether it's theft, murder, or what have you. Everything that's moral, it's up to the states, not the federal government. Copyright was explicitly given to Congress because it was not seen as a moral question. It was a pragmatic question of how do we encourage people to produce stuff. And that's all it was to the founding fathers. And it's turned into the exact opposite. Yeah, Exactly. It keeps people from producing stuff. It keeps new products <laughs> yeah. from coming out. Um, yeah. So, I guess, anyway. you know, because Bishop Barron, I I just can't say anything good about the man. The fact that he, he spews heresy when he says that hell could be empty. Hell cannot be empty. That's impossible. Uh, when he says that, what else did he do? He did, oh, he uh, talked he about the, the was... capital punishment. Uh, he said something about Elijah being fired by God. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it was so dumb. <laughs> it was like the was dumbest thing I've God ever God heard. For, for what are you talking the, about? Uh, worshippers of Baal? <laughs> yeah. He was doing what he was supposed to do. Kill him. Uh, okay, well, that's... I guess maybe he also thinks, because you know the, the episode where the... Um, the, the uh, the couple uh, lied to the apostles about the money yeah. that, that they had. Yeah. They, they sold their stuff. And, and Peter, you know, when, once they told Peter, he caused them to fall dead. And maybe God fired Peter, too. <laughs> yeah, that's why That's why Peter's not the Pope anymore, because he got fired. Yeah, no. Well, I think that's that must be why Paul has more books in the Bible than Peter does. Yeah. Because <laughs> God fired Peter for, for being too harsh with those two. It was just so nonsensical, and I thought, does this guy, I don't know, whatever, yeah, it, that, again. That one was really dumb. He's a producer, so that's what you'd expect from a producer. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think he'll ever be much more than that, but right. I guess he could be. I mean, he he, he speaks well. He speaks well. He is and, clearly knowledgeable. Yeah. And he has the... he. He does production well. So if he put he that truly at the service of the church and said, you know, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it as a bishop, which means that everything is, is you know, public domain and free to the world. And, and the goal is to just disseminate it as widely as possible. And, of course, in today's age, the way you do that 
is you say it's free to copy because people will mm-hmm. copy it. You, you use, you know, it, it's a viral thing in today's world. You no longer have to get embroiled in, okay, who can I get to, to air it, you know, on a broadcast network or anything yeah. like that. Well, the thing is that other than not being a bishop, Shea LaBeouf has all those qualities, but even more so. Shea LaBeouf, I would say, is smarter than Bishop Barron. And I think he produces, he's smarter than him. And he also uh, is is good at producing, as good as Bishop Barron. I mean, didn't he direct a movie, too? Not the Padre Pio movie. He might have directed a movie. No, not the Padre Pio movie. But, I mean, he has all those qualities. Oh, right. I'm just saying, he would be a better leader than Barron. And he seems to be a little bit smarter. So, yeah, I I would say a new good leader would be Shea LaBeouf. Anyway, it's um, it's one of those things that I don't know when when something like this happens, the trad side gets kind of hyped up, and mm-hmm. I think it's good to be hyped up. I just I wonder I gotta wonder is this going anywhere? It seems like it might be, but I don't know because there's. I think most people will not see this. um, You know, I I hadn't thought of this before you asked it at the beginning of our um, podcast, but how many non-tratty style Catholics even know that Shia LaBeouf has become Catholic? Right. At this point today. Well, I guess the people who listen to Bishop Barron. Well, that could be, yeah, because he's he's not, you know, he's a, a very novi guy. Yeah, so a bunch of novies who listen to him hear they some guy know. who, and and they kind of, you know, a lot of them know who Shia LaBeouf is. Yeah, most of them probably know who he is, and and so it's and like, they oh, hear wait, this and, and they're like, huh? And there, there, there he is, really, kind of, huh? Uh, very mildly, uh, sort of dissing on the Novus Ordo Mass, yeah, <laughs> to Bishop Barron, <laughs> and maybe, maybe some of them have never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I here's the way I think because I have friends who still go to the uh, the Novus Ordo and they talk about a yearning for God, and maybe a lot of people who go to mass yearning for God and still walk away yearning for God, still trying to find this connection that would fulfill them, would try out the Latin Mass and be like, "Oh, this is what I was missing." Hmm. Could be. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially with 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 him promoting it as as a uh, at least for himself a, an emotional experience, right? Because most trads do not talk about it that way. Yeah, no, I no. I never did, but I, I well, just you know, never for me, thought of it that way. Going to the Nova Sordo is an emotional experience. I get angry. Yeah, I get angry and frustrated. <laughs> and all right, um, you know the funny thing is when we started recording this podcast i was not going to the tlm um oh that's right because you said you went back like it was only two or three years ago and we've been recording this podcast longer than that yeah and and the funny thing is that um i've somewhere in these podcasts discussed how i kind of got kicked out of the tlm but um i went from there angry and i went I went to like three or four different parishes and it just seemed like one was worse than the other. And I would, (laughs) each time you go, it's worse than previous. Yeah. And I would sit there in this pew listening to this idiotic priest 
just babble on about nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you got 10 minutes, you could talk about anything you want, and you're telling me about nothing. You really have nothing more important. We're about, we're about to enter into the mystery of the Holy Eucharist, and you've got nothing to say. You can't even talk about the, the gospel. And, and I, I just got, Everybody be nice to each other and love each other. And and it was things like that. And I thought it, it sickened me more and more because, of course, um, it wasn't just that. But it was, I would see the priest kind of stuff. change the words in the gospel. Oh, or I would yeah. see him bring these first graders up and do this dance uh, around the altar. And just things like that. Um and I think we had, like, in one of our early uh, podcasts, we argued over whether or not uh, you should take the Eucharist by the hand or the mouth, or whether mm-hmm. or not it was sinful to take it by the hand. Now, your attack was different than the normal attack. I think we were focused on the bits of the Eucharist getting all over the place. That That's kind of what the argument was around. But... Right. Um, I was arguing on the side of it's okay. And back then I was receiving Eucharist by my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, now I don't even get up to go to the Eucharist because, uh, I think like me and my son started going to the TLM and then we had to go to the Nova Sorda once. And, and my son, I didn't even get up to go to communion, but my son did. And he got up there and he knelt down and stuck his tongue out. And this little mm-hmm. faggot, uh, distributing communion wouldn't give it to him. Oh, and wow. I thought, oh, man, there's going to be a fight That's here. <laughs> he didn't fight him, but uh, he just got well, up and he left. He can't but, while he's holding Christ, but yeah. Yeah, I know, but I know my kids, and I'm thinking, this is, this might be bad. <laughs> it didn't get bad, but I'd say... That kid doesn't know how lucky he is not to have a broken nose. Uh, oh, I think yeah, it was really yeah. because he was holding mm. the body of Christ in his hands. It's probably the that's only why thing he that saved have, him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, and it was that time when I just decided I'm never coming to this Mass again. Unless mm-hmm. I have to. There are times when yeah, I miss the TLM the obligation and I have to. There's no TLM so, to go to. I walk in with my missile, my red missile, and I read it during the mass, and then I leave. Of course, mm-hmm. and, you know some masses like uh, there, there's Father Lawrence or Father Watkins here Watkins, at St. Lawrence. Yeah, Saint Lawrence. Yeah, you don't have to do that. You, I mean, he does a good. Nova it's Sordo. strange how he makes that uh, seem not so novi. And the funny thing is, it's a. 25-minute mass. It's fast. That's right. It's really well, see, fast. Here's the but thing. But it feels so much more what reverent. That proves, what that proves is how much of the Nova Sordo, uh, let's call it the mass experience, is mere fluff that has nothing to do with the mass. Yeah, it's it's these stupid it's the, waiting periods that they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get all the way back to your so seat. Long. Before the next guy gets up to start walking up to read the readings, and it's like, oh my gosh, just get on with it. Mm-hmm. I carrying each note in a song for twenty minutes. You know, it, it's just 
speed the tempo up. There's no reason to go that slow at a, you know, at the per- yeah. processional well, hymn. It's just dumb. Yeah. And just seeing every single verse. Oh, right, right. That's a, you know, that's they a big got thing six verses in where we're all just standing oh, okay. there and it's well, like, just, uh, all right, okay. come on. Father's it- ready to start Mass. But we're going to sit here and sing. Or a, a big thing these days is that they want to do two communion hymns. One mm-hmm. of them, while everybody's receiving communion, and then they want everybody to sit down after Father's done you know, with it's, the ablutions and stuff and listen to them perform a second communion song. It's, it's, it's stupid stuff like that that makes yeah. the Novus Ordo Mass take long. Because there's hardly anything in the Novus Ordo Mass itself. Yeah, there's not. They, they strip so much of it out, and then they... They they added so many. All right, we've done a whole lot of Nova. We, I don't know. It, yeah, we, we, that's the weird we thing. Is this a? On that. We're not even a trad podcast. It's no, just not that really. every podcast ends up talking about that. I because it's it's so unavoidable. <laughs> it's it's the single most broken thing in the church right now. Yeah. And and we want so, to see I, it, you know, of all the stupid stuff oh. going on in the church, even even more than the 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 homos and everything else in the priesthood and, and stuff, the mass is the single most broken thing in the church. That's a good way of saying it. Um, and like I said, I I was here's the thing I had because some of my sons have stopped going to mass. Mm-hmm. And they stopped going to mass before I started going to the TLM. And oh. I had a talk with them. I said, look, you know the story, guys. My kids were crying. The priest told me to leave. Didn't tell me directly to leave. But during a homily, talked about the fact that people with crying kids should leave. Yeah, um, made it clear. You're I walked welcome. out of there angry. I wrote him a letter. He doubled down. Mm-hmm. Basically said, don't bring your kids to mass if they can't be quiet. Um, and there's a whole lot of other things involved in that. I said, but I did you guys a huge disservice by not walking in there and forcing my way and saying, I've got a right to be here. <clears throat> if you want me gone, you're going to have to call the police. Yeah, I am not leaving this church. I should have done that. And I feel guilty for it. Especially now, when I tried to push religion on my kids in this hokey, crappy thing that they call the mass, that just, I I don't know what to say. It's so terrible. No man would ever want to be a part of this unless he already believed in the real presence. But if you don't have that underlying belief, why would you want to be there? So... I, I did them a great disservice. Now, my two youngest boys have been going with me, and they've kind of, they've already, within a year, they got it. They were like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. And, and they they swore they would never go to an English mass again unless unless they're forced to, you know. But, um, yeah, sometimes circumstances, you know, they just are. If I could, if I could redo those years, I would just tell anyone. If 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 the people around you make you feel unwelcome, don't let them go anyway. And plant yourself down. And yeah, I mean, your kids cry. You got to take them to the back. You do what you can to try to keep them quiet. But mm-hmm. there are certain old ladies in some of these masses who want that 
emotional experience above all others. And crying children distract them from it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would just say that uh, let them be distracted. Because it's, while the mass does connect with people in an emotional way, um, that's not what it's there for. Yeah, that's I mean, not the reality to, of the mass is there with or without your emotions. Yeah, and that's not to sound that's like I'm beautiful uh, thing about it. Um, tearing apart what Shia LaBeouf said, because what he said is 100% right. And mm-hmm. I'm very glad that he said what he said in this interview. I'm just saying that um, we shouldn't expect that emotional attachment. And some people do. Yeah. And it's I mean even if we have an emotional response to mass like that, the mass isn't there to be an emotional ejection injection for us. Right, we should think of that more as like a gift, like oh, mm-hmm. thank you for this. You know, it, I I didn't a, ex- a, yeah. Maybe the thing that got us there. It's kind of like it's kind of like, you know, you, you when you're when you're young and you, you know, you first see the woman you end up marrying and and she's pretty, you're attracted to her, you're drawn towards her and you want to spend time with her. Um, yeah, you know, but, but I mean, by the time you're, you're, you know, 40 years into your marriage, she's that, that same dynamic of physical attraction isn't there. You might still think she's pretty because she's the same woman you married, but it's not like that youthful thing anymore. Right. It's grown and matured. And, and I think it's the same thing with, with the experience of the mass. And I think over the years, Shia LaBeouf will find it. It's the same way too with, with his experience. Yeah, I'm sure he will. But he was, uh, as he said, at a low point in his life. And, Mm -hmm. uh, there was this new fabulous discovery. And I, I guess it's that way for a lot of people. Um, Again, my my path to the TLM was a lot different because I was there uh, at an early age and was bringing my kids and then got kicked out and stayed out for like 10 years and then finally uh, came back to it. And I guess it was, I mean, we started doing this podcast and we started more and more griping about all the Novus Ordo stuff, only we didn't call mm-hmm. it Novus Ordo stuff. We just griped yeah. about things that are popular in the church, yeah, and like around we did that one same about the music, for example, yeah, like why is modern church music so bad? And around that same time, uh, TLM was T and M. What is it? TNT. TNT was getting big. It mm-hmm. was kind of around that time we we started. Then, aside from all the stuff we're talking about, we're both listening to parts of TNT and it's kind of bringing back this, Oh yeah, this kind of crap didn't exist in the TLM. And so I found my way back to the TLM. Um, but this podcast was not meant to be a trad podcast. I no, still don't think all. it is. It's just, we still don't think we of it end that up way. talking it's just about a Catholic podcast. It just keeps coming up though. Cause it's mm-hmm. hard not for things not to come up. What did, uh, yesterday we talked about, or last week we talked about overpopulation. The week before that we talked about political violence. Both of those, eventually we ended up talking about the TLM yeah. for some reason or other. I don't remember why, but we always end up talking about it just because it's 
such a broken part of the church nowadays. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything more to say about that. I the only thing I would I would say is that um, I mean I hope I hope there's a bunch of people. I mean, okay, so you know that that there's the buzz in the trad crowd, um, you know, excited that that you know somebody kind of um, like a fresh new face for, forced uh, Bishop yeah. Barron to admit that there's problems with the new that mass. that was the big and, thing, yeah. And but but the thing is, people need to pray for Shia LaBeouf specifically because there's still a lot of opportunity you know i made reference earlier to mel gibson and and jim caviezel and i'm sure there are some other you know catholics in the um celeb world um that they're already grounded they're going to go back you know to the extent that they're catholic they're going to keep on being catholic shia labeouf though he's in a very immersive place right now and it would be very easy for him once this this Padre Pio project is over, it would be easy for him to go back to, you know, do you know? Okay, let me take on the next project and and whatever. Because you know what he is is yeah. a movie maker, um, and we end up seeing that he's you know the the seed that was choked by thorns or something like that, you know, because Jesus right. talked about the sower and the different seeds. So we. We should be praying that it sticks. I mean, yeah, it is especially real. in a place there, like Hollywood. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that it's real, but the question is, is it going to stick? And 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 so he needs our prayers that it does. Right, and someone like that in that position to become another Mel Gibson would be great because. Mm-hmm. The more we have, the better, and maybe we could start getting some decent movies again. Instead yeah, that would of, be neat. I mean, we just don't see a lot of good movies. I every now and then, like the the trad world is a buzz with. Oh, did you see uh, this and that? And I I watch it, and I'm always disappointed. I'm always mm, like, well, I don't. Good as a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember the movie about uh, Fatima came out? I remember that, and I was disappointed I, in it. Yeah, I was like, this is dumb. Like, she would say things like, uh, man must stop insulting God. That's not what, that's not what she said. Yeah. She didn't say I, insult. I, she said offend. Yeah. There's a huge difference between offending and insulting. Insulting. And she right. kept using the word insult. And I thought that's just, I was so disappointed in yeah, that. Yeah. Why movie. did the director have to put it that way? Um, there was another like the one. Old, uh, what the the old movie about Fatima was better? The the one that they made back in the yeah forties or something. Yeah, it was almost like a made for TV movie. The black was, and white. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, I don't know, poor, kind of poor. Actually, the acting wasn't that bad. It was just poorly directed, I guess. Or maybe yeah. it's just that old movies uh, they weren't as subtle. They were kind of in your face, preachy about. They weren't subtle about anything. Uh, (laughs) Even like, like if you watch like old John Wayne movies, I like John Wayne movies, but um, nowadays in a movie, they would show you something and then leave it at that. And you would be left to try to figure that out yourself. In a John Wayne movie, they would show you while he's telling you whatever it is. You know what I mean? Something about like, uh, yeah. The, I, I think about men movies, being tough, you know. They they tended to be 
uh, filmed versions of stage plays back then. You know, on a stage, when you're doing, you know, a play on a stage, everything has to be there for a reason. Yeah. And, and you have to be explicit about it because, you know, you, you've, you've got one shot, you've got to keep that, that live audience engaged in that, that live performance that's going on, um, it's not like you can go sit down and rewatch the play or anything like that. So everything has to be kind of a little bit more uh, explicit on a in your on a face, stage. yeah. And I think that's that's why the older movies are like that because they were filmed versions of stage plays. Okay, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and that's I guess that's why I don't like a whole lot of old movies. Um, mm-hmm. I I like to figure things out on my own and newer movies help you do that better. But there have not been a whole lot of good religious movies. I think really the last good one that was made was The Passion of Christ. Yeah. You know what I would like to see? I would like to see a Jesus movie that, and of course Passion of Christ didn't do this because they spoke Arabic, but a Jesus movie that doesn't have everyone with a British accent. Oh. <laughs> why did why do they think Jesus had a British yeah. accent? I mean, why not just have a normal American accent if you're filming in America for an American crowd? Why does right. he have a British accent? That's dumb. Yeah. Um I even started writing a script to that effect. I just don't know what to do with it once I got it. So oh. now I'm now I got the script. If anyone's a movie maker and they want to read a script uh, where Jesus doesn't have a British accent, get in touch with me because I'll I'll give it to you. But um, yeah, I did. I would love to see more religious movies that aren't stupid. Mm-hmm. And the more Hollywood uh, types who become serious Catholics uh, to the point of going to the TLM, uh, the better odds that we'll see something like that. That's well, true. like That's this true. movie, Padre Pio. I can't wait to see the movie now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not just like because were... of this, but uh, Padre Pio. I mean, everybody knows who Padre, yeah, Padre Pio. Padre Pio himself, and it sounds like they were being very, um, you know, the, the, driving for a, a high degree of authenticity and and historical right. reality about his life and uh, right, you know, about what it was like to be him, both in terms of of the stuff that that you know, like like getting the mass right and stuff like that. How many, how many times do you see what is supposed to be a Catholic mass and, you know, in a movie or something that's like, yeah. well, every Catholic knows that. Yeah. That's it's not all, how it it's goes. painful. Yeah. Yeah. It's just dumb. Um, and the, you know, the thing is Padre Pio, uh, was kind of oppressed by mm-hmm. the bishops, yeah, by the church, by the bishop. And, he submitted himself to it, whereas people like the uh, the guy f- who started SSPX, I can't even think of his name, the French oh, guy. Oh, yeah, Lefebvre. Mm-hmm. Lefebvre did the exact opposite. Right. I mean, I wonder what would have happened if Lefebvre had submitted. I, I wonder how yeah, things would have been different. Would, we don't know. Would the TLM be bigger now? Exactly. Exactly. And less oppressed because of out of obedience, God was able to make something better happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas disobedience, um, you can only, I mean, God can only work through you 
so much when you're being disobedient. Yeah. And God worked through Padre Pio in a very big way through his obedience. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this film. Um, all right, we got anything else? Uh, not on that topic, no. All right, so we'll talk about news. Uh, U.S. announces a security package of nearly $3 billion for Ukraine. I don't know how many other billions of dollars of packages we keep giving them, uh, but they're down and determined to just print so much money that the dollar is worthless yeah, here in America. That's, that's, I mean, that's going to just drive the inflation just, up again. Keep doing and it. It's, I mean, even though they're not pouring over. that money particularly straight into, you know, on American streets. Yeah, but it's, it's you know, it's dollars. You know, they got to get the money from somewhere. Yeah, uh, you know what he also did? He he orders airstrikes against um, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and Russia-linked groups in Syria. Um, an airstrike by the Russian military. He, he he's. He's striking Syrian forces, which you have to remember are Russia-backed, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, I, I guess it's, when Trump first took office, he dropped that giant bomb in Syria. Um, mm-hmm. Because he claimed that the leader in Syria had used uh, gases against his own people. Well, the more we look into it, the more we see that that was a lie. The guy did not gas his own people. He was misled. That was, that was yeah. Trump was the CIA. I think Trump was misled. But the funny thing is, after that initial bomb that he dropped, remember he dropped the mother of all bombs. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like just short of a nuclear bomb oh, that yeah, he dropped. Nuke, right. It's like the most powerful um, non-nuke that that exists. Yeah. So after he dropped that, as far as I know, he never dropped another bomb. Yeah. Um, I know that, that there were a that couple was shut down that you know. I yeah, they were the dollars. It was, and he. he remember, they know, were expecting like, him to to strike at Iran. Yeah, and he's like, and well, he didn't retaliate. Exactly, he said. I think it was because lost? he realized that that they're jerking his chain. I don't yeah. think he'll ever admit that his bombing of Syria was a mistake. But I no. think he knows it was. But he's and, running from his mistakes, even if he's not admitting yeah. them. Um, but now, basically, the the CIA and the FBI are running the government. And, you know, speaking of the FBI, I started thinking about something ever since that... that uh, I can't remember if I brought this up on the podcast or not. Ever since that raid on Trump's home. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I just keep thinking about this. The FBI are at a point where they don't seem to—they don't seem to worry about anything. Yeah, they just do what they want to do. They don't worry about the rule of law. They don't worry about this is proper jurisdiction this is or anything. Scary. And I started thinking, what what could have changed them? I mean, they were already a little bit like this, but at least they they came out in public and tried to make excuses. Yeah, but they yeah. stopped I mean, doing they were like that. This back during the Bush. Well, before Bush, during well, the <laughs> through the Bush and the Clinton years, yeah, they were they were already like this. Yeah, but there's one thing that changed in the past. I don't know, 
five years. I can't remember how long ago it was. But remember, mm-hmm. there was a guy who was just just the, the scum of the earth person. Mm-hmm. Who everyone in the world thinks should have been dead. But he was alive and he was doing despicable things named Epstein. Yeah. Somehow he gets arrested. Now, he's been able to get away with everything because anyone who's got any power at all can be blackmailed by Epstein because he's got files on everyone. Because, yeah, they're all his clients. Yeah. Now Everybody, now he's dead, but guess who raided his home? The FBI. So they've got the files. Yeah. They're not scared of anyone, and this is why. They don't need to be afraid of anyone, just like Epstein wasn't. I think this is what it's all about. The whole thing, and the one guy they don't have anything on. The one man. Trump. Donald Trump. Because and that's Donald the Trump, one man, they can't afford to have in office as a president because of that. Yeah, I think that's what. Because you notice none of the. I mean, like some of the like like some of the podcasters and things like that are coming out against this uh, raid on Trump, mm-hmm. but none of the politicians are. No, no well, one's saying, "Hey, you guys overstepped your bounds." Yeah, I mean these are. Don't you realize how bad it is when the FBI can go after uh, politicians? That's dangerous. The guys who are making laws are now going to be harassed by the FBI. This is very dangerous. And yet nobody said a word about it. None of the Republicans in office said a word about it, hardly. Mm -hmm. I think this is why. Yeah. I I think most of them have something against them that the FBI controls. You know, scary, that scary makes more stuff. sense than than almost anything else. I mean, yeah, you know that there are snakes in the Republican leadership that are gonna, you know, uh, turn away, not say anything. But but for the 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 level of complete and utter silence about it, yeah, it's scary. And and the yeah. the lack of any kind of um, uh, sense of needing to justify themselves that the FBI is showing. Yeah, they don't. They don't care. They're not even trying to make it look legit. Mm-hmm. They finally released that affidavit, and it's like a giant, big old black mark. Stupid. Yeah, you can't read anything. Like everything else they do, um, it's it's uh, it is just frightening. Um, anyway, uh, in Afghanistan, flooding there killed 182 people. Uh, wounding 250 more. Um, it's weird that these deserts get these floods. Yeah, but because you I don't mean, think about this. Uh, but I mean, when it rains there, it really rains. And yeah, I mean, it's like that, you know. in, like like in the American Western deserts too, like in Nevada mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Four people, included a police counsel- constable, are killed in a mass shooting in Tucson, Arizona. Tucson, Arizona. Um, I don't. I don't like calling these things mass shootings. It's not like so, a guy got up and started firing at a crowd. This, That's this was not a what happened. With police. It was a shootout. What happened is the sheriff showed up with two deputies to serve uh, eviction notices. Mm-hmm. They had lockout papers. They were going to here. You're you're evicted. You got to get out and lock the door. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they got shot at. And okay, that's so not a mass shooting. That's just a. a that's not a mass shooting. Yeah, there yeah. just happened to be four people who got shot, and I think one of them died. Um, 
But there was a guy. No, who, four people are killed. Actually, it looks like. Yeah, but still, it was. But but there there was the one guy. Uh, maybe you have it as your story. Um, also, just like this past weekend or whatever, the the guy that lit the what was it like an apartment on fire or something? No, I didn't know about that. What's this? So some guy, he I think it was an apartment. He lit the apartment building on fire, and then was shooting people as they were coming out to get away from the fire. No, let me see if I can find that. It was it was just this past weekend. Like a, down in Houston or something. Houston apartment shooting and fire. Okay, it's only th- three people, but a man started a fire okay. to lure the neighbors out, and then he shot them. That's terrible. He was evicted from the apartment building. He shot five other attendants, killing three of them. This was Sunday morning. He set the fire to the house to lure Jeez. them out and was shooting them as they were coming out. This was like at one in the morning. Man. I don't know. I, I think these... We got Biden warning us that the Republicans are, are about to get crazy and, and, and become terrorists and... I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more mass shootings over the next six months, uh, or at least until the uh, elections. Yeah, and yeah, we'll I, see I what think, happens if things. I think these are all red in the elections. FBI. Yeah, we'll we'll see if that. But but you know, as long as now you get a bunch of new uh, congressmen, if, if you can get new congressmen who don't have, yeah. Uh, deep ties in Washington or anything like that then then the FBI's files let's say your Epstein theory is correct yeah it gets smaller then you might have people who, who might say hey wait a minute the FBI's out of control let's put together a congressional committee to investigate this you know stuff like that but but the thing is Congress generally won't do something like that without prompting from say the president or something yeah unless it's the president being investigated but um, well, but anyway, we'll see. Oh, and and they generally won't do it without the party leadership calling for it. And the party leadership are the ones that would be most idiot. susceptible to the FBI's blackmail. Yeah, if that's what's right. going on. I think that's what's happening. Yeah, because he's done nothing. So we'll just we'll just have to wait and see. Um, Let's see, where am I? Uh, so the lawyers for WikiLeaks publisher Julian Assange filed an appeal against his extradition to the U.S. Um, right after it was approved by the U.K. So I don't. I guess I thought he was already in the U.S., but his extradition was approved by the U.K. and, and right now over they are appealing. I don't. I don't know. I, I think we need people like Julian Assange, and I hope he prevails in this. <laughs> yeah. So, did you see the uh, interview with Mark Zuckerberg on Joe Rogan's podcast? Or at least the part of it where he kind of admitted that the FBI had convinced him to squish, squash the story on the Hunter Biden laptop? Uh, I did not see that interview. Okay. I don't watch. He basically, watch admit, yeah, I don't either. But I, I haven't heard that interview. I heard it on another uh, podcast, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan got Mark Zuckerberg to admit 
that the FBI had told him to uh, tamper Flush down the hunter's hunter laptop store. Laptop store. Yeah. Basically, use like like manipulate the algorithms of Facebook to keep it from gaining momentum. Is right. What he means here? Yeah. Wow. And he that's admitted pretty it. huge. It you you think it'd be bigger than it is? Yeah. I mean, if that to me that alone should prompt some kind of congressional investigation because that's the FBI directly acting as a um, as a political uh, partisan. Yeah, it's ginormous. But like I said, the FBI's out of control. Nobody's going to do anything because the FBI controls. Everyone in power right now. Yeah. We need new people. That's the only way to overcome this. Um, Okay. The man of the hole is a guy in the Amazon rainforest who, I guess, there's there's kind of a a territory there. It's kind of like a, uh, what do you call that, where the Indians live? A reservation. Like a reservation? for, For indigenous people in the Amazon rainforest. Well, all the indigenous people were gone or dead or left, except for this one old man who lived in total isolation in this hole. And he's been there isolated for 26 years, and he was finally, he's dead now. So, I don't know if... How did he get food and stuff in this hole? I, well, I mean, he... No, he came out of the hole, it's just he... He lived in the hole. You know, that was... Oh, okay. He didn't... Dwelling. Okay, it wasn't like 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 one of those guys that gets up on a platform or something and, you know, knocks right. him down. Okay, okay. It's just, he lived in a hole. Kind of like yeah. a hobbit. They call him the man of the hole. And okay. he lived there where his tribe was for tw- the last 26 years. He was the last indigenous person there. Mm-hmm. And he's now dead. Now, I don't know what happens to that land if it... Uh, you know what they're going to do with it, or but anyway, the last indigenous person of that tribe is now dead. Yeah, um, this is weird. And Madagascar, there's 18 people are killed and 34 wounded. When okay, apparently there's this thing where kids with albinism mm-hmm. are often killed or kidnapped. <clears throat> wow. And and there was a I guess a little boy with albinism um, who was kidnapped and the people in Madagascar are wound up about it and started this protest but I don't what I can't figure out is oh no 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 they had suspects in jail I think four suspects I was going to say what are they protesting (laughs) yeah that's what I couldn't figure okay they had four suspects in jail and um and and the people of Madagascar rose up. They wanted to lynch him. Oh, okay. And they attacked the police station. The police finally had to open up on him, open fire on him. 18 people are killed, 34 are wounded. Wounded, okay. But apparently this isn't all that uh, rare. It's like oh. when the people of Madagascar get angry, they rise up and try to force... Something a lot like of this. Uh, mob justice in Madagascar. Yeah. So, um, one person is killed and 50 others injured by a hailstorm in Spain. This wow. is the first 
direct hail-related death in Europe since 1997. Huh. You would think... I don't know. I, I always hear about hailstorms where they show you these hail balls that are like as big as golf balls. Yeah. You yeah, would think there'd be, be a lot more injuries. I know. I mean, it, I remember once me and uh, Pee Wee were walking home from the store and it started raining and we're just laughing and all of a sudden... All of a sudden, the, the, the raindrops started hurting real bad. And I was like, holy cows. And it was hailing on us. That hurts. And these yeah. were little hail. The, you yeah, know? the little pea-sized ones hurt. Yeah, we were just we just started running. Uh, but I can imagine something like the size of a golf ball hitting you in the head. Mm-hmm. You'd think, I don't know, you'd think there'd yeah. be more deaths from this. like At least serious injuries. I don't know, maybe, maybe injuries do happen regularly and this is just the first time that it's been an actual death um but you know i think they're better at predicting that a storm might uh might involve hail yeah and i guess i don't but like what if it hailed like in california where there's billions of people that are homeless oh that's right with nowhere to go i i wonder if it hails in california ever uh I don't know. I mean, is it is is because hail is a, a snow, so it's a storm phenomenon. It, it, I mean, it has to be storming. It has to, get to be hail. cold. It, it, yeah, it can't be just because it's rain, and it, it's it's yeah. not a cold thing. It's a storm thing. I mean, you don't do get you hail mean? in the winter, for example. Okay. Because what, what happens what is it, the hail forms from from activity that's in the thunderhead cloud. Um, in that, in that part causes of that the air to cold? get cold and the hail to build up, even though it might be summer, you know, outside. Yeah. Come to think of it, uh, when we got hit with hail, it was uh, it was warm out because the only thing we were wearing was a white T-shirt. Oh, right. So it was warm or hot out, and we were still getting hit by hail. Yeah. Hell, hell is a, 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 a storm thing. Typically a, a summer storm thing. Hmm. Okay. Sweden reports its first case of H5N1 bird flu in a porpoise. A now, porpoise? I don't know if that means Sweden has never had a case of H1, H5N1 or if they've never had a porpoise with With H5N1. Yeah, is this this the first case and it happens to be a porpoise or is just the first case that is a porpoise? Yeah. Here, hold on. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to know how to read these. Okay, no, they they found a dead... They had a porpoise and it died because of H5N1 and that's the first time anyone's seen a porpoise with H5N1. Okay, okay. They like... It says it likely got it by coming into contact with a bird. Mm-hmm. Well, that would make sense because it's a bird flu. It's a bird flu. But how often do porpoises come in contact and with birds? Birds interact. Yeah, I mean, what? One's in the sea and one's in the air. I mean, pelican maybe? Seagull? Yeah. Like if they tried to eat it, you know? I mean, they're mm-hmm. meat eaters, so. Or like if it, I don't know, could, could, can you get it if maybe a bird like, craps into your mouth or something? I mean, it, it hasn't transmitted yeah. to humans yet, right? As far as they're I just, know. They're concerned because the bird flus can sometimes mutate to humans. But yeah. what I don't know is, is the is the flu virus in the bird's crap? Because, you know, they get crap know. over the sea and then yeah. purposes are there. Uh, you know. 
But this, I think, it looks like this was a porpoise that, it was a wild porpoise that got landlocked or something. Oh, And okay. I don't, why didn't they just, like, open up a way for it to get back to the ocean? I don't know. The whole thing is weird. Who would test a porpoise for bird flu? Yeah, a, por- a porpoise That dies. seems bizarre to me. Yeah, it's like, well, then hey, you just throw it away. Bird. I mean, maybe... Yeah, why would it... Maybe, you know, it's it. maybe it is just one of those things where it's like, okay, nobody expected this porpoise to die. Let's figure out why it died in case there's, you know, some kind but of maybe, human health. Maybe thousands of porpoises have bird flu. Like, yeah, we just maybe most of the porpoises that die, die because of bird flu. And yeah. we just... We wouldn't know. Yeah. Because they're all... That's weird. <laughs> it's a weird story. Yeah. Uh, life expectancy in the United States decreases for the second consecutive year. So, what happened in the past two years that would cause okay. life expectancy to decrease? I don't think so. Because... I think it's a vaccine. Well, Yeah could be the vaccine too but i mean you know covid itself by you know you 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 kill you kill people um in you know somewhat high numbers a few years before they would have otherwise died that's going to decrease the life expectancy okay i uh i don't know i it's crazy i mean we've got studies out right now admitting that the covid Restrictions have killed more people than COVID did. Yeah, yeah, we know that. I think number one. I think we knew that within the first like three or four months of the restrictions. It's just that oh, was really you and I about it. called it from the start. I we haven't been wrong about one single thing <laughs> in concerns with COVID, <laughs> and we we you know we were banned. Oh yeah, on one Facebook? of our videos. I know. I, or no, was it Facebook no, or uh... it's different? Oh. We had a specific video banned on YouTube, and it's the weird thing is, it the video was is uh, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Oh, interesting. I was I was kind of curious about that because I mean we didn't come out uh, we weren't for the vaccine, but we we kind of. We didn't go for all the the weird conspiracy theories about the vaccine. You yeah, because because we we were kind of um, we were kind of we on were the first the first few one. times we talked about the vaccine, we were kind of um, uh, pushing back on some of the stupid stuff people were saying. Yeah, like it turns you into a magnet and things <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, it's weird that that one got banned. Mm-hmm. Because over the next year, we got more and more anti-vax just just because of how hard they were pushing. Now, we yeah. never once suggested that people ought to get vaccine. From the start, we both said it's this is very experimental and mm-hmm. we have no idea what it's going to do to people. It could be really bad. But the things people are claiming are not true. Uh, it's just that in, in an over... The next year, we realized that this is turning into something really yeah, bad. Yeah, there's something bizarre um, here. But I, it's just weird that that's the one that got banned mm-hmm. on YouTube. It is weird. Anyway, that was our first warning. It oh, said okay. we might get more warnings. But that one was banned, and that was our warning. <laughs> now, uh, you know, I, I mean, we don't 
we don't really get a lot of YouTube because I'm like, we'll do our podcast and then it's not, sometimes it's like a week or two later before I get it on YouTube. Yeah. And sometimes, um, like I went like four or five weeks without getting any on YouTube, but, uh, out of all of them, the one that got more attention was the overpopulation one we did last week. Oh, that seems okay. to be getting... Uh, it's not that popular. It's just yeah, but compared still, to the other ones. You would... You know... The, the only reason I say that's interesting is because... We kind of even said in that video that... That overpopulation itself has has kind of become a dead topic. Yeah. In some ways. But it's, apparently it's, not. It's not talked about as much as it used to be. So I'm surprised that that would, would, would get a few more hits than the other ones. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. That is all of my news. Okay. Well, I have some news. By the way, did you, um, before I get into the, the nonsense news, did you hear about that thing that the, let's see, the Pope, the the guy that Pope Francis appointed as the, the head or whatever of the pontifical something something for life, um, the, this this is the guy who who had that that homo artist come in and paint that that oh, homoerotic yeah. mural. And okay. You, yeah. Do you know where I'm going with this? That the his comment about the abortion rights law. Yeah. In Italy? He said it was like a pillar now of society. Oh, so, now here's here, see here's the thing. When I I heard I, it was only this morning that I was hearing. Um, uh, one of the guys, Taylor Marshall, I, I think. Talk I think about Taylor it. Marshall did a video about that. Yeah. Um, and at at first when he was talking about it, I was thinking, okay, he's probably overreacting, um, because my first thought was, okay, so let's say here in America, before say Roe v. Wade, uh, somebody might say something like, well, the the abortion permissiveness of Roe v. Wade has become part of the fabric of society. That's kind of how I took it. And by by saying that, you would what you would actually be doing is saying that by way of uh, criticizing and condemning how society has gone. Yeah. But now, the explanation that. Um, that was given for the comment because even if somebody said that we would never translate that into the next up and say therefore Roe v. Wade probably can't be overturned so we're not going to worry about it or, or right. something like that but it right. sounds like now their explanation was that like he's just saying and oh yeah you know, we're not we're not going to change that law wait as like, if holy cow how is that this Right after America finally overturned Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade even exactly. though most people thought exactly. of it as a pillar. Mm-hmm. We did it. Why can't they do it? And we it's been a law here in America more than for longer than it was there. Yeah. So why so, can't I, I, these bishops, just, did you, so they make stupid. me sick. Yeah. It, it's so terrible. I just, uh, we need to pray for manly bishops. Yep. Manly bishops, manly politicians. We need men. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's another interesting thing about the, the Shia LaBeouf interview is that he, he engaged that topic a little bit about manliness. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And um, that, you know what? That's another part of this is that 
Shia LaBeouf is kind of he's masculine. He's mm-hmm. not he's not a wimpy Hollywood type. Like yeah. a lot of the Hollywood types are just I don't know whatever the, you know Brad yeah. Pitt. Well, it's like give me like, a break. You know, like, yeah, I want to cry and things like that. But uh, I don't know if Shia LaBeouf has ever cried in in his movies, but he doesn't seem like the weepy type. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he seems more like the uh, tougher guy and seems more of a tougher guy in real life. But after seeing the interview, now I'm thoroughly convinced he is a tougher guy. Uh, we need more men like him in Hollywood and in pretty much everywhere. In the church? <laughs> in the yeah, bishop's certainly chairs. in the church. Um, yeah, it's terrible. All right. So now on to nonsense news. Um, okay. All right. We have a guy who I can't believe there's actually a world record for this. Um, the longest voyage in a pumpkin boat. I guess he took this big pumpkin uh, and carved it out, like carved out the middle so that he could sit in it like a boat huh. and grab the paddle and floated down a, a river 38 miles. Is that- it, it was a 846-pound pumpkin. Wow. And he took it down the Missouri River. It says sailing I down wonder, the Missouri River, but I don't see a sail. I, I, he's paddling down the river. Yeah, he's like, I guess they just did. He, it looks like he like turned it more into like a kayak. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, exactly. Um, I wonder if you have a pumpkin, let's say you have a pumpkin and you hollow it out. Mm-hmm. In order to remain afloat, does it have to stay not full of water? Like if you if it fills up with water, is it going to? Oh, you is think? is the pumpkin flesh floaty? Yeah, like, as as like if you just take a piece of pumpkin, a chunk of it, and throw it in the water, will it float? That's a good question. I am going I to do that and find out well, uh, you know, this Halloween. I was going to say, yeah, we'll have some pumpkins later, and we'll uh, we'll find out if pumpkins float. Especially, and then a lot of times it's not just, it's like it'll float in different kinds of water, like salt water or river water oh, versus right. water in your bathtub uh, are very different. The uh, but, previous record was 25 miles. <laughs> there was another record? That's what I That's what I say. I can't believe this is something that they actually keep records on. Uh, okay, but see. 2018. The lo- they're calling that the longest sail. Well, and I know he said. 30, I wonder so if he actually miles. sailed. And but now, it that says, guy had a kayak too. But they're saying he, yeah. I I think I think in both cases, both of those are really saying sailing, not sailing. But they it's paddled. Just poor reporting. That I guess this reporter doesn't know what a sail. Yeah, he just doesn't know what a sailing is. But uh, you know what we should do is make a sail a pumpkin sail and like go out to sea in it and actually oh, yeah. sail. If, if, that would be, and, and maybe even if we only just like did like one mile, we would set a record because it would be a true yeah, sail. Yeah, because I wouldn't do that because I don't like going out. And I would never sail anything. But uh, really? You don't like the idea of being in a sailboat? If I cannot swim ashore, I'm not going. Oh, okay. You don't, you don't like the idea of being at sea. So right. you, you would not you would not like go on one of those like like cruises like the you know the big ships. No. No, I wouldn't go on one of those. Okay. That's too huh. scary for me. Yeah. There was a there was a saint. 
uh, I think it was a woman who was afraid of sailing, afraid of the water. She was afraid of drowning. Um, and she wanted to, she wanted to teach or something in Italy, I think, but her order wanted her to go to America and she didn't want to go because she was afraid of sailing. But she ended up making the voyage between Europe and America, I think, like 28 times, oh, wow. 28 round trips. Uh, she's a saint now uh, yeah. because of her her uh, missionary work here in the states. But yeah, uh, well, that's see amazing. if she if she had been a little bit holier, maybe she could have just done like that that other who was the what's the name of that other uh, nun that bilocated from Europe. And and converted those that group of Indians. I in New never Mexico. Heard that story. Oh, you never heard that story? No. Oh yeah, these 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 Indians, uh, you know, found, you know, the the priest, the missionary priests that were down there. I, I think it was like in New Mexico or something. And they said, hey, this woman taught us the faith, but she said we have to find a priest and and get baptized. And the priest kind of didn't want to deal with them. They're you know they're busy with the current missionary tribe or whatever it was. But, you know, they kept coming back and persisting. And, the, and, and then, so finally they're like, okay. And, and then they're talking about, what about this woman? Who's this woman you're talking about? You know, some woman in, 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 you know, like blue and white and something like that. Well, in the meantime, this nun over in Europe is like having these experiences where she's talking to the chief of this native tribe and to the people and explaining the faith to them. And, like, across continents, they were describing the events in a way they match up perfectly. It's, it was very clear that she had been bilocating and converting this, this Indian tribe. Sor Maria de Jesus de Agreda. Yeah, you found it. I have, I have never heard of this story. That That's just, incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. We should... I wish we would have done a story on her when we were doing the uh, the Saint of the Week, Sister Maria. Maybe we'll talk about yeah, her we'll next do that. week. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the research. We can bring her up next time. Yeah, and I, I, it looks like they have her relics. Huh, mm-hmm. that is incredible. Kuda. I, I never would have thought of something like that. Well, this woman could not bilocate. She had to actually sail back and forth. She didn't do it in a big pumpkin. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> wow, that is one big pumpkin. I just... Hmm. Well, anyway. I gotta wonder. I th- I'll bet gourds float. <laughs> Probably do. But, you know, do, do, is there buoyancy enough? If, if it if it were to have, like, significant water in it, is the buoyancy of the Eventually, gourd enough to also support a man? Well, that too. Yeah, it's got to support him. But I imagine that, I mean... For 800 pounds Put anything in the water, eventually it starts to sink. That's why, you know, even if you have a life preserve, life vest or something, mm-hmm. they they begin to take on water and you can only float for so long and yeah. then it sinks. I imagine the pumpkin does the same thing. How many days did it take him? Oh, uh, good question. Um, uh, it doesn't say here. Nope, it Started does not. in the city of... Bellevue, Nebraska. He said, I'm not going to do it again. I wouldn't either. <laughs> he wouldn't, I wouldn't do have it, done the it the first time. time. <laughs> <laughs> he said he did it for his 60th birthday. <laughs> well, it was less than a year. 
I, I don't know. I can't figure out how long it took. It. I don't know. Cause, I mean, 38 miles. Um, I mean, okay. if, if, if you can go But if go you're going miles, downstream. It, it, yeah, if you're going downstream. And, that's and, not that and big if you deal. can maintain like like three or four miles an hour, it, it, you could do it within a day. Yeah, that's not that big. Yeah. You'd be tired when you get done, but yeah, it's not that big. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so there's this thing in New York where grocery stores have been uh, carting people when they want to buy whipped cream in the like the the in the canister where where you got to turn it upside down. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Okay. So, but here's the thing. This this is why it pays to actually read the law. Um, People are just misinterpreting and reacting. I I run into this at at stores stores like for example i i um you know in indiana we we had the the whole you can't buy alcohol on sunday thing right yeah so well i went and i got sparkling water from the area where they sell the stuff that you use in order to add to alcohol to make like cocktails mixed drinks stuff like that well you know a common thing is club soda as part of the base for a mixed drink. So I got this club soda and the person who I initially interacted with didn't want to sell it to me because it was a Sunday. So you always wow. run into stupid people at stores like that. That would drive me crazy. I want to say like, it was I wouldn't a Walmart be able to walk happened, away. Actually. I'm sure it was. It was that, pro- well, it was that... a Walmart. Anyway, I did get right I mean I I talked to a manager who was a little bit, you know, uh more with it and you know yeah but the thing is it's not the canisters it's the refill cartridges to repressurize the canisters those are what you need to be 21 to buy because there's this thing that that people are doing i guess it's some kind of a i don't know like does it cause a high like they inhale the nitrogen or something like that or the nitrous oxide yeah that's in the can i guess it's the nitrous oxide so it's like like going to the dentist and getting laugh, laughing gas or something okay. like that. Um, but but uh, wait a minute, can you mm-hmm. really? I I didn't know you. Okay. Why would you refill a whipped cream can? Well, that's that's what I'm wondering. Is is because I've never heard of refilling a whipped cream can. Neither have I. <laughs> like, I mean, that... <laughs> if you're out of pressure and yet you still have some whipped cream in there. Is it really that big a deal where you buy a whole separate cartridge in order to I mean they're not that exactly. expensive. You know, you just throw it away and get another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I did not This is New York. Maybe yeah. there's like, you know, a real annoying law about how to dispose of them. You know how like in some some jurisdictions you're like yeah. not allowed to throw batteries in the trash. So, you know, stupid stuff like that. Well, I do it anyway. But maybe in yeah. New York, no, you're not allowed to throw these things in the trash, and you got to have them disposed specially. And, and in okay. that case, then I could see. Or maybe, like, maybe there's a giant whipped cream thing that you can buy, and maybe nobody even knows this, but, like, you have to recharge it in order to get all the whipped cream out of it. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, it's, Instead of these normal little cans. Because I'm looking at a can, and I'm looking at one of those cartridges, and I can't figure out how you would use it. How do you, yeah, what? <laughs> how do you refill it? I don't know. What What does this actually mean, exactly? So, anyway. That's weird. But, uh, okay. somehow this law about nitrous oxide cartridges 
has gotten grocery stores carting people to buy whipped cream. Can I see your license, please? A bunch <laughs> yeah. of Karens. Yeah. I can imagine uh, that. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. you know what? I don't understand why it's right here. What's that? Uh, why did I not report this? No, it's not here. Where is it? I know I wrote it down, but I didn't report the uh, the uh, people in... Oh, police arrest over 40 protesters for vandalism during the Just Stop Oil protest and blockade in London, United Kingdom. Oh. So apparently what happened, these people who are protesting, I don't know what, big oil, were going to gas stations and destroying the pumps. Oh, that is vandalism. With a hammer, <laughs> like a hammer and a chisel, and just start walk up to a pump and start banging on it and breaking it. Um, I didn't know 40 people had gotten arrested, but I I did see a video where this gas station owner's like, what the hell are you doing? Get off that. Stop it. And she just, just some Karen, nasty, ugly chick, uh, just with a hammer and a chisel, banging on his, his gas pump, breaking it. But apparently it was a big thing all over UK, a bunch of uh, old yucky women went out and did this. That's like the uh, Bob Dylan song. The, at the end of the song, the pump don't work because the vandals took the handles. <laughs> pump don't work because the vandals took the handles. You know, the funny thing is, you were talking about um, uh, concerts. Mm-hmm. I've only been to a few concerts. Uh, one of them, Jason invited me to a... Uh, Oh, what's the name of the? It was it was an indie group for a long time. Um, oh, I, I I know who you mean. You you actually sent me a text message while you were there, or I sent you one. What is you, the name of? That's gonna. It was. Yeah. Um, what's the name? It was uh, the the the, Lumin- know, the Lumineers or Lumieres or something like that. Lumineers, yeah, something like that. Okay, I did like them for a long time before they got popular. That was oh, one of the groups that example. I found very right. early on, long before anyone else heard of them. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I went to that concert with him, and like they had a few opening bands. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what that's called, but people who are not the Lumineers playing. Yeah, and call them openers. I was so incredibly bored. I'm thinking, why would anyone come to one of these concerts? This is so stupid. There's five billion people in one building, and I don't like any of them. And I'm crowded in with these people. I got to admit, the Lumineers came on, and they put on a hell of a show. It was a good concert. And I got into it. But the funny thing is, one of the songs they sang was that song. The Bob Dylan... Oh, uh, about the subterranean... Johnny's in the Basement. Yeah. Uh... Fixing up the medicine. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, subterranean subterranean homesick blues. blues. That's right. Okay, they sang that song. Probably me and Jason are the only people in that whole place who knew that it was a Bob Dylan song. Wow. But uh, it was. It was. They did a good job of it too. Cool. Because it was mostly kids, and probably most kids don't know that that's Bob Dylan's song. They don't even know Bob Dylan. Yeah, but uh, it was. It was cool. Anyway. Anyway. All right, I'm done. Okay. Uh, Next, we have... So, (laughs) I don't know. Could you try to maybe take this on a bus somewhere? Somebody has a emotional support alligator. And, I mean, this is like a a three... 
three, four foot alligator. There's a video of, of, of like at a water that park, a, a little alligator. girl walking around with it on a leash. What? Where is this? It's in uh, Philadelphia. Like Philadelphia, yeah. Philadelphia's Love Park. What's a love park? I, I don't is think. It, I, th- I think it's the name love, of the park. I think it's like Love Park. Like love is a last name. Philadelphia's Love Park. Yeah, like uh, you know, you okay. Might say, love you know, Park is the name of the park. Washington Park um, or, or Dillon Park. Well, it's Love Park. Okay, and she had an alligator. I think it's. I, I, I think would, the alligator is actually her dad's or something like that. I would not. I don't understand how this thing has never bit her or somebody, anybody. I mean, the yeah. yeah. Okay, let's say. You had an alligator that you allowed your daughter to walk around on a leash, and it bit her. You'd go to jail. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I, you know you would. I that mean, he, he had called it child endangerment. Okay, um, but it's an alligator. Says, you can't. So he got it from the wild, or somebody got it to him from the wild in Florida. They have all these alligators around there, you know. Um, yeah. He bought it as a baby. It was it was less than two feet long at the time. Um, he sleeps with me, doesn't steals show my anger, pillows, and doesn't show aggression. Steals my blankets. He's just awesome. Steals pillows. Huh. Sleeps. That's, that's stupid. That's dumb. That's that. He's he's gonna not. This guy is gonna not wake up one day. Or or his daughter isn't. Um, I knew a guy who. Uh, I I went and he I, he had me there to work on his printer. And uh, I look over, and in the in this gated, fenced-in area, he had goats. Mm-hmm. And I went over, looked at the goats, and I came back. I, oh, you got goats? He said, yeah. And we're walking towards his printer through his house. And I, I said, are those Toggenbergs? And he turned around me and looked at me like I had two heads. That's probably <laughs> the first time he's ever been asked that. He said, how the hell would you know what a Toggenberg is? I said, well, I, I used to raise goats. I know what goats are. I know the breeds. And he said, yes, they're Toggenbergs. And then, so after, you know, after talking with him and going through his printer, mm-hmm. he was impressed with my understanding of goats and stuff like that. He said, well, I got a surprise for you. And he he said, just stand there, stand there at the edge of the fence. And then he made this weird call. And out of the blue, this zebra comes running up. <laughs> this is this is in the middle of it's like a a woodland surrounded by city. Is this um, the place that was off of uh, North Bend Road? I can't even remember where it was. I got pictures of it. But I remember the, a place I, off of North Bend Road where where a guy was there a zebra was reputed to have some exotic animals. It, it all it was was rumors to me. Okay, this isn't a bunch of exotic animals. It's a zebra and a a (laughs) funny-looking... Yeah. So, what happened is, he bought the zebra to mate with a mule, and the product of these two animals would make this... Not with a mule, a certain kind of donkey. Right. Would make a mule. The product... Like a zebra mule. Would make a mule that apparently the Romans used to use heavily huh. and it's a very expensive uh mule oh it, so it's one it's a rare it. expensive mule mm-hmm. that was the plan but huh. he said i fell in love with the zebra and when he was like 
a year old, I just, I couldn't stand to go through with this, so I had him castrated. The idea being that he wants it to continue being a pet. Oh, because if if he didn't castrate it, the zebra would would become more willful and wild and stuff. And yeah, and and downright violent. Okay, okay, okay. I guess zebras get so that way. he had it castrated despite all the money he spent on on the donkey and the zebra. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he did that, and then he admitted to me that the zebra is a wild animal. And probably eventually would kill him. Oh, wow. As a matter of fact, it had bit his son, like, in the shoulder mm-hmm. and put him in the hospital. Like, broke one of the bones by biting biting wow. him in the shoulder or something wow, like that. that's a hard bite. That's how... Think of a zebra having that hard a bite. Right. But this is a mammal. And yeah. mammals are much easier to tame than, than a reptile. Yes. I... The stupidity... Of sleeping with an alligator is just beyond yeah, me. Yeah, I know. I, just, I know. I can't imagine. And I, my my son hangs out with, uh, used to hang out with this boy, and this boy's mom has some kind of uh, reptile habitat in her basement. And mm-hmm. one of the things she has, it's either an alligator or a crocodile. It's like four feet long. I've never seen it, but uh, I just, the whole idea is so dumb. Yeah. You can't pretend that this thing has, like, personality the way a, a dog would. Or... <laughs> right. I know everything has a personality. Well, some kind of personality, know? but, yeah, that's... But don't act like this thing... I, I think these people fool themselves into thinking, like, that the alligator loves them back. Yeah. You know? It's like... It's um... easy to think that about a dog. Yeah. But an alligator? Come on. I think it's brain. like... Uh, it's like that guy that... And and here we're back to talking about mammals, but remember that guy that, that used to, uh, I guess he imagined himself as like a bear whisperer or something, but he would kind of like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you he remember. He killed, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, he went into the polar bear thing. <laughs> he went in to talk to the polar bears, I think, and then he ended up getting Stupid. killed. <laughs> anyway, so let's see, last... Is a fisherman story, um, just kind of oh, okay. interesting. Uh, guy, he was like at a uh, fishing contest, and uh, this is in the Missouri. This is the same river that the guy did the pumpkin thing in. Anyway, so he yeah. thought he had snagged a rock or something with his with his fishing hook, and it he pulled out what turned out to be this like what what people are saying is a ninety million year old fossil. Huh. Now I, I don't see like a a clear picture. Okay, there it is. Yeah, they don't show you exactly what it looks like. Well, there's one picture, but that's there's, a giant rock. Did he pull that whole thing in? Well, that's like super close up. If if you go on the thing above that, where like it's a uh, a video and play it, and then play it for a few seconds, and you can yeah. see the rock. I think I you know I don't know how big the rock is, but. Well, I'd like to see it next to him. Okay, there, there you, you see it. Um, if if you keep playing, you see it on a a kitchen counter that gives you a little bit of a sense of scale. Okay. Still, it seems like an odd thing to snag. I know. It's like your hook just happened to catch some. I don't know, part of the spine or something like that. 
but but scientists the, who have looked at it say it's it's like the fossil of some predatory fish. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I remember <laughs> once fishing. Uh, I think I was fishing for trout. I had never been fishing for trout. I had no idea what I was doing, and I didn't even bother to ask. I, I asked one guy. He said, "Here's how you do it." So I did that. Uh-huh. Didn't come close to. I didn't catch anything except. I was pulling my line, and I thought, well, I'll be dang. There's a rock. Somehow I snagged a rock, and it was like the size of my fist. Uh-huh. And uh, it ended up being a clam. Oh, wow. That had, cool. I don't know. Somehow your hook had I don't know if I it. snagged it or if it actually tried to eat me. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, a, I just don't know how you could snag a rock. I have never snagged a rock. That's the only time I ever thought I snagged a rock. Yeah. It, it ended up being a, a clam. How would you wrap a how would it do that? I, I don't I that, huh. the only thing I can think is that like cuz you can see where the the what I'm presuming is the spine um and it's got like these little nooks where like between it and the rock that it's kind of embedded in and if your hook could yeah, get I under guess. one of those or something like that that's the only thing I can think. Hmm. Pretty it cool. says the guy didn't do too well at the uh, at, at the fishing contest. So <laughs> yeah, I got a rock. Yeah, <laughs> Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all the news, which means it's time for uh, Bible trivia. Bible trivia. All right, I'm going to roll. It comes up number six, which is just general. <laughs> All right, so I guess this is finish the phrase. Are you are you getting coffee? I'll wait till you're back at the thing. Okay. All right, now I'm back. Okay, the phrase is, "We are therefore Christ's blank." All right, let me think about this. I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to think about this for yeah. a second. We are therefore Christ's. I, I mean, my first thought would be body. That's but, my guess. Uh, my guess is body. Some kind of you know representative like Paul makes a big deal out we're, of the body. We're the we're here in the person of Christ, something mm-hmm. like that. You know, I don't know the answer though. Okay, well, mouthpiece maybe. Like you know, it's interesting. I, I mean, I'm looking at the. We're saying now. it. And we're saying it for Christ, so we're we're speaking for Christ or something like that. Well. Yeah, and uh, actually, you're you're very close by thinking it that way because the answer on the card is, and the answer I'm reading in my Bible is ambassadors. So Corinthians, okay, uh, five, Second uh, Corinthians five twenty. Now the card has, you know, of course it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether they do King James or what, but the quote on the card is, "We are therefore Christ's ambassadors," but in my Bible it's. So we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled in God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you were very close with this idea of mouthpiece and speaking for, because that's exactly what an ambassador is. Yeah. Nice nice job. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Hmm. All right, that's it for me. I'm trying to think of a way to link that to the rest of the podcast, but... Trying uh, to make, make that what? None, I mean, 
linked to the rest of the podcast. Oh, maybe the fact that <laughs> the bishops are the ambassadors for Christ. The bishops are and supposed to be the ambassadors of Christ. They're not doing a good job. <laughs> no, uh, if they're not wimps and not standing up and and speaking what the what Christ wants. The only time they do speak for Christ, they charge you for it. And they <laughs> yeah. copyright it. Hell, even the, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the Pope's encyclicals yeah. are all copyrighted. Yeah. This I is, mean, I, I think you know, this is I, the biggest crime like, in the church. Uh, like, this bugs me more and more every week. Like, for example, the um, Mon- Monsignor Shadel, who, I don't know if you know the name, but he was, he used to be the, the um, like the, the vicar general of the archdiocese, but he was the, the pastor at uh, Holy Rosary um, back when I went there regularly. Uh, he since has moved on to um, St. Luke's Parish um, up like north in Indy. Um, but he said the English masses there while um, Father Develius, the guy who did Granny B's funeral, he was doing yeah. the, the Latin masses at Holy Rosary. Um, so anyway, Father or uh, Monsignor Shadel, you know, very, you know, good guy, you know, good priest, very, uh, you know, what we would say today is based. Um, mm-hmm. But even he, um, at one point, I, you know, I, I had gotten, you know, my my kind of blog thing going, the the gristmill stuff and everything, and yeah, so I was looking for you know ways to kind of add content to it, and I approached him once about. Hey, you know, if you prepare your sermons ahead of time, I, I knew that a lot of priests wrote their sermons out before, you know, going and giving them in, at mass. I said, if you prepare your sermons ahead of time, I could post them on my blog site if you're interested, you know. And his answer was that he doesn't think he can do that because there are syndication issues. So he basically syndicates his work so that it can be published um, through, you know, whatever uh whatever lines of publication or something. So even he, even like small time, everything is tied up with this whole copyright publishing stuff. Yeah, it's dumb. Actually, I, I just looked up, uh, Fulton Sheen's works are all copyrighted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I remember this. I, I remember paying the, it's like $29 and you can download the entire MP3 library. Or... You can get all of these talks one at a time by downloading them to uh, your computer. And I think I started doing that, and then I thought, well, I'll just get the whole library and put oh, it on okay. my phone. But um, I don't know. It's just, I to me, it's a crime. I, yeah. I just, and it's one thing for a bishop to do it in order to sell books or talks or whatever the hell he's selling. But when the Pope does it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, in my opinion, there, there's a serious problem yeah, here. Yeah, I agree, and that's, I think that's most of the problem is in like the problems with like the crappy music and stuff is kind of tied up in the world of copyrights. Yeah, I mean, people remember church music in order to copyright it now. Um, that's that's why I and of, and of course it sounds, I mean modern the, the music they're putting out today sounds like mass produced music, it, it you know it it's no yeah. good, 
it's that's why I say that terrible. You you would improve at at every parish in America, every Novi parish in America. You would improve the quality of the music at least ten times if you just adopted the rule. We're not going to use any copyrighted music. Yeah, yeah, it would be <laughs> instantly better. Yeah, than anything else. Um, remember the uh, like after the Pope gave us uh, Traditione Custodes, he published the the answering the the dubia. Oh right, the, the uh, uh, from those questions on dubia. That... And one of them, one of the questions was, which I know nobody asked this. Yeah, but it had to do with the uh, readings. Mm-hmm. Which version? No one was. The readings had to come from a approved English translation, right? And no one was allowed to gather those readings into a book and publish it. Oh, right. There was something weird like that. That that it, it's you like, had to. It, it was. It all went around the fact that they want to be able to sell only. They don't. They only want the church to be able to read from copyrighted material. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I just this. This is so much more a part of the problem, I think, than most people realize. Yeah, the the money here is is kind of part of the thing that perpetuates this incredibly terrible music and the incredibly terrible translations mm-hmm. that we have to deal with. I wonder, like, could a could a priest say, look, I, I don't know what to say. The Douay Reims is an approved Bible. And but is it approved for liturgical use? What did they use before the crappy things they have now? What did they use in the 60s? As far as I know, the, the only book that's ever been approved for English liturgical use is the New American Bible. Mm, because they always read it in Latin. Yeah, it, it, it was. And, the, and in fact, I, I don't even think it mattered. Like, because the Mass itself was in Latin. And then if the priest wanted to, like, maybe as part of the sermon or something, he could re and that's basically how it was. He would reread yeah. maybe the epistle and then the gospel. And yeah. I don't think it mattered what translation he used when he did that. There was no rule about that. I'm trying to think if I were a priest, I just, I would have a hard time obeying this. <laughs> yeah, that would be And I tough. would think, is there a way around this? I just can't yeah. do this. Fine, fine. I cannot read here? this because it's so bad. The mm-hmm. translations are so bad. Okay. All right, well, folks, uh, think about what we said, and as always, go raw and circle the beads. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.